Dave Winfield started a kicked off the series last week of unlikely heroes and the focus was on David. Today we're going to be focusing on Daniel. And the, the, the challenge with these stories is that we look at these Bible characters and somehow we, we make them ideal, forgetting that they are people. And uh, the, the, the intention of this series is really to look at their character, to look at their kind of working out of their faith. And we can draw parallels and we can learn and we can say, yes, Lord, um, I, can, I can see that. And I, would you give me strength to, 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 to work on that? So um, today we're going to be looking at Daniel and we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 6. And usually, when we look at Daniel chapter 6, we look at how Daniel prayed. And today, we're not going to look at prayer as such. We're going to look at Daniel's courage. Now, as part of the celebration of hope, we've got different characters. And one of the characters would be Daniel, to talk about hope and stuff. And uh, Colin Thomas has prepared uh, something about that. Um, he's not going to be there on the 18th, but he's sharing it with the church. So one of you, as they listen to this, might want to take that role on Saturday. But also, it's not only for that, it's for us to learn something. Morning. Um, you'll, you'll be pleased to know this is all uh, based on the Bible, um, but this particular scene may not, strictly speaking, have happened. Um, Um, yeah, I'm going to make you look good by comparison, Marky. Um, so it's called, um, it's called Daniel at the Doctors. Um, and the idea is you'll look at me doing this and think, wow, I could do that so much better. And then you'll volunteer to do it on Saturday. That's the idea. Okay. Um, hello, Doctor. I'd like to register for the, uh, for the Babylon Health Service. Uh, no, no, I'm not new here, but I, I've had plenty going on recently, so I suppose I never quite got round to it. But better late than never, though, uh, wouldn't you say? Yes, yes, I'll be happy to answer a few questions. Uh, name? Uh, Daniel. Uh, it means God is my judge, uh, but, but Daniel is fine. Uh, you might have, my medical, might have my medical records on file somewhere? N- no? Uh, perhaps you have something under my other name I had for a while. Um, it was given to me by, by Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he called me Belteshazzar. Anything under that name? You want me to spell it? Uh, B-E-L-T, belt, belt, E, maybe A, U. I I never really took to the name, you know. It it was meant to break me off my connection to God. I wasn't going to let that happen, so I never got around to to learning how to spell it. Uh, Perhaps we'll have to start from scratch. Uh, Birthplace? Uh, Jerusalem. Yes, I'm Jewish, but but I was taken into captivity and brought here to Babylon. Uh, If you did have my medical records, you'd see what they said about me back then. I don't like to brag, but uh, the words without physical defect and handsome were thrown about. (laughs) Yes, yes, handsome. This is quite a while ago, you understand. (laughs) Uh, Diet. Uh, I'm pretty careful about what I eat and about what eats me. Uh, Sorry, sorry, just my little joke. Uh, There was a time not long after I first came here, serving Nebuchadnezzar, when when I'd eat only vegetables and drink water. No, no meat at all. Yes, I realise that's very odd. 
No, I can't imagine that catching on either. Uh, <laughs> but I, I didn't want to defile myself by having the royal food and wine. And, and thanks to God, I, I ended up healthier and better nourished than the people who had eaten everything on the menu. Uh, do I have trouble sleeping? No, not at all. It's one of the things I'm famous for, actually. Uh, well, not sleeping. Uh, exactly more the dreaming. And it wasn't me, it was God. Uh, he's given me visions and, and given me interpretations of other people's dreams, uh, particularly Nebuchadnezzar's. He didn't always like what the dreams meant, though, and, and he had a very bad ending. He ended up eating grass all by himself. Even worse than just eating vegetables. Mind you, his son Belshazzar wasn't much better. He, he certainly liked drinking wine, definitely more than the recommended daily units, and, and he made the mistake of drinking from the gold and silver goblets that were taken from the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, he had a vision of a hand writing on a wall. Uh, he was terrified, and, and he asked me to interpret it. It was bad news for him. He, he died that very night. Yes, stress can be bad for you, I, I know, but he was actually slain. Yes, that can be bad for you too. Uh, am I ever in stressful situations? Well, yes and no. Um, I did get thrown into a lion's den a little while ago. Yes, lion's. L-I-O-N-S. Uh, but they must have been on vegetables-only diet as well. Uh, no, no, just another little joke. Uh, what happened was the next king, Darius, insisted that no one should pray to anyone except him. Uh, well, I kept praying to God, so I was thrown into the lion's den as punishment. Except God looked after me. I came out without a scratch. No, doctor, I, I won't make a habit of it. Uh, but I trusted in God to keep me safe. After all, he looked after three friends of mine when they'd been thrown into a fire. And now Cyrus is king. Uh, so far, so good, but... Whoever the current king is, I know it's God who's really in charge. Well, thank you, Doctor. Sorry, that was a lot to get down all in one go, wasn't it? Still, it's not the end of the world. Uh, speaking of which, if you've got some more time... Um... No? Oh, well, okay, then. You can wait for the book to come out. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so there is a 13th chapter to the book of Daniel... Thank you, Colin. Um, any, any takers for this role on Saturday? This is Daniel. And thank you, Colin, for giving such a um, concise description of who he was. I'm surprised you didn't bring the parsnips when he was uh, eating the vegetables. Um, parsnip is Colin's most favorite vegetable. So, um, so here we've got Daniel. Um, in chapter 6, he is part of the leadership of the country. He is part of the top three leaders of the country. Um, with the same kind of um, remit as an a, a up-to-date or nowadays prime minister would be. And he has been taken captive from Judah. He's exercising his giftings and his skills, but also he's exercising his faith in Babylon. And, and um, there, is, there is some envy amongst the, the, the other fellow leaders because the way chapter 6 describes him, I'll read only the first six verses so we get a picture. Um, but the, there is envy there, and, um, and Daniel has to, to, to deal with that. 
So chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be thought throughout the whole kingdom and over, the three preced- over them three precedents of the whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give accounts so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other precedents and satraps because of an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the precedents and the other satraps sought to find out a ground for complaint against Daniel with regards to the kingdom, but they could not find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. May God's name be blessed through a public reading of his word. So here we've got the situation of somebody who is pursuing his God, who is pursuing his faith, um, who is pursuing his talents and skills, and the remarks and the adjectives that people are using for Daniel is excellence. They could not find any fault in him. Apart, the only grounds that they could stand is if they could set him up about his walk with God. And the interesting thing is that they kind of managed to do that because they come with this idea that actually we should have a decree that for the next 30 days people should not be praying. Um, and um, if anybody is being um, found that they've been praying and stuff, then they will be thrown in the lion's den. And the lion's den, so... Um, was a, a severe punishment. And, and they knew that that was the end of the life, to the point that when they throw Daniel in the lion's den, um, they, this, these guys get so excited about it that they even put a stone so he would have nowhere to, to escape. Now, I've got a very vivid picture of a lion's den because in my home city there is a, a Roman amphitheater of the first century. And for those of you who have been visiting with me, Albania, you probably know what I'm talking about. But there is, there is a part of the amphitheater there that actually there is a proper lion's den and is, is probably the, the height of it is as high as as this distance to the ceiling. And then there are two holes that they used to feed the lions uh, from the top. And they would use the lions then um, in the amphitheater for the fights with the gladiators and, and, and so forth. So there was this, this element that it was, it was severe. And once you were in the lion's den, that, that was it. But that's not... And again, as I said, when we look at chapter 6, normally, because we're so familiarized with it, we look at the whole idea of prayer and how he, Daniel, persisted and actually disobeyed the decree that, uh, that has come out. So he carries on 
to pray, but that's not our main focus today. And also, we're not going to talk about the, the well-known story of Daniel being um, in the lion's den and, and not being hurt, because that's part of the story. But I want to look at Daniel today and just ponder a little bit in some some of the things that that characterized him and some of the things that we can learn from, from what is going on here. Um, it's, it's very encouraging to see that whatever Daniel's status was, that he was still relying on God's power. I mean, it came across very clearly from Colin's um, script, uh, but also you see the book of Daniel. And, and we, 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 we need to, to really look at that and say, God, what are you saying to us as, as, as a church? What are you saying to us as individuals who are very successful in our workplace, who are successful in, in whatever God has put us? And what is something that we can learn from Daniel here? And one thing that was very precious for him, it was his walk with God. So, so he, in, in those places of being the top of the three precedents, as my ESV Bible says, um, he was successful, uh, but also there was no, no nuance of compromise between what he stood for with his walk with God and the way that he led the people and that country and how he was entrusted by um, the people who, who, who were over the country in those days. And one thing is very interesting here is that, um, and as I was preparing for this, um, it dawned to me a conversation that I had with, um, I'm going to quote you, Dave Carhill, now. Um, uh, we've just returned from Albania, and um, we visited different places and one of the places that we visited, we went up on a, uh, on the top of a castle in a city in Leja. And um, you see ruins there. And, and um, to be honest, there is not, I mean, I think we've taken the teenagers there and we've prayed over the city on the first or second year we went there. There is, there is not much that is left over. It's, it's literally a wall and some ruins. And, uh, and I, I asked David what, what, what we thought about that. And um, um, on, a, on a very, like, passing by comment, he made a, a very truthful and big statement saying that, actually, this reminds me of the rise and the falls of earthly kingdoms and how temporarily... They are on earth. And when I think of Daniel and I, th- and I see of his relationship with God, I, I, I see that perhaps, not perhaps, but I see that he had this, this greater vision of God's kingdom. That, that although he was very faithful and he was very capable and he was very committed uh, to, to his earthly duties, he did them very well, yet he knew that with his approach in chapter 6, we see that actually honoring God and his kingdom is the ultimate task, 
because that is something that has got an eternal eternal venue value in it rather than just the temporarily earthly kingdoms and and is as i was preparing for this morning it's really dawned on me how how much focus as a church i mean even even as as individuals we put on what has been going on in our country, even with Brexit. And, and again, we, I bring it there, I bring it again. And I, I, to be honest, I don't mind where you stand with this. But the bottom line question is, wherever you stand, are you worried? Because it's got an impact on you and your own comfort, on me and my own comfort. Or are you worried because this has got an impact on the kingdom of God? And that's a, an honest question that we have to ask. And this is an honest question that we need to grapple, regardless where we stand with this. Because it is very true that God's kingdom, we've sang in the beginning of the service about him being the king. And we, with royal robes that we don't deserve, we just bow down and, and, and worship him. And his kingdom is everlasting. We know that from the Old Testament. We know that from the New Testament. So that's one thing that I thought comes out very clearly from uh, Daniel chapter 6. The second thing is that we need to realize, and I think this is, this is something that um, we, we kind of lose sides regularly. And when I say the royal we, I mean me. That there is two kingdoms here that are in conflict. It's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the enemy. And I think, I think Daniel is quite aware of that. And it, it comes very clear that, that actually the reality of the opposition to God and the coming of his kingdom is, is tangible. And, and, and I think the, the kingdom of God has been opposed it's not only the last five years or last 10 years or last 15 years of christianity the kingdom of god and his ruling has been opposed through the centuries and and as god's church in the 21st century we we need to come to that place of reminding ourselves that in whatever we're going to do for god's kingdom we are exposed to opposition and do you know what? That is okay. And actually, if you see where God's church is growing, you see the church history, you see that the, the, the sprouts and the big moments of growth are the moments where the opposition has been so clearly against God's people. Look what happens in Acts chapter 6. You know, Stephen is stoned, and they think that that's the end of, of, of the mandate that the disciples have had from the Lord Jesus. And Saul has been there witnessing the, the death of Stephen. But if Acts chapter 6 didn't happen, didn't happen, then we'll not have the rest of the New Testament. We'll not have the gospel going in all the corners of, of Europe and Asia and what have you. We wouldn't be here today. And I know that I'm saying this in human speaking terms because nobody can stop God's power. 
but but there is that element and that 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 clarity that actually it's clear that there is a reality of the opposition of God's kingdom and we as God's people need not to be scared of that and i'm not saying that that we've got it easy um i think i think we, we, we can do with a little bit more opposition. Um, but I say that not because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, we need to have more opposition. But I'm saying that perhaps as God's people, we have come to this place of being a little bit on the comfort zone and the convenient part of our Christianity, that a little bit of troubled waters would help us to be courageous. And that's what's happening in the book of Daniel. Um, I, I see that some of you are looking very pensive. It is okay. Um, you, you, you can disagree with me, but we need to disagree on, on, on biblical basis and on, on the church history basis. It is true that God's kingdom is in opposition. It is true that God's kingdom grows when there is opposition. The biggest growing church at this point in the church history, it's the underground church in China. Why? Because they're not allowed to preach the gospel uh, publicly. Why? Because the laws don't permit that. Why? Because the Christians cannot stop telling the good news of what Jesus means to them. Uh, why is the gospel growing in the Arabic and, and Muslim world? Is because of the opposition. Uh, if you're part of the updates that you get from Ian and Elaine um, and, and others uh, on the missions group... Um, there's some stories there that people are being persecuted because they've, they've really followed Christ. I'm sure Amini would be able to, to share stories of, of her experiences in Egypt. Just see what, where God is at work, where is, there is opposition. And this is what's happening in Daniel's life here. He is on his own. He is really, he's got good grounds here to just keep his head down and carry on doing his own. He's famous enough. He's popular enough. They love him. They cannot find any fault in him. But what does he do? Daniel has had to take this decision because compromising is really not the answer for him. I think if you look at what's going on in the history of Daniel's life, basically... Um, between chapter 1 and chapter 6 of the book of Daniel, we've got almost 70 years of his life. So he's probably 80 years old now, 85 years old. Um, he has seen it all. He's been very courageous. He's been very good. He's seen it all. So in his, where he is in his stage of his life, he's all right to compromise. Because in one sense, he's been faithful of all his life. And um, the tendency is that sometimes I feel that my, my previous, my past faithfulness is a compensation for my present unfaithfulness. But that's not the case. What Daniel is doing here is something that is really radical. He's got two strong reasons to compromise. He's got two strong reasons to, to really not do anything about what he's been challenged. Look at, look at the history. You know, he, he has 
Iron um, reminded us earlier on about the Jeremiah. So Jeremiah 25 and Jeremiah 29 are the promises of God that actually restoration is going to come in Judah and Jerusalem. And actually, this is just where, where Daniel is in chapter 6, is just at the verge of this restoration coming. Those 70 years of trouble and hassle have just passed. So why trouble waters when actually restoration and the fulfillment of God's promise are there? And the other strong reason why he's got here to compromise is that actually he is in a very good place. The decree there is not to worship idols. The decree there is not to, 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 um, to, to do anything that is radical that his friends have been asked in the previous chapters. The decree there is not to pray. So why Troubled waters. Why make a stand when actually the, 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 the demands that they're making on Daniel are very neutral and un, unnoticeable if, if, if he wanted to do something about it? But I think this is where, where his walk with God is very close. This is where his connection, and I said it's not about prayer, but in the end of the day, it is about prayer. And it's about the reliance on God. Because what's happening here is that you've got a life that has been well lived, relying on God. And why would you ruin it in the end? When you have seen God work out miracles, when you have seen God who has revealed his faithfulness to you through the years, why would you compromise that relationship in the light of whatever is being offered to you? I happen to be part of different conversations, especially with the older generation, whether here or other parts of the world, when they say, oh, in England or in America or in Holland, we used to start our days with saying the Lord's Prayer. Now we don't do it anymore. How sad that is for our schools and stuff. And, and I think, for me, is more that Christians are indicating they're upset about it because they've kind of lost that right to pray when actually the reality of our church lives is that we lack in prayer full stop in our church lives. So why all of a sudden we get so passionate about the right of what we do and not do in schools when actually prayer does not reflect our lives as communities of faith, when prayer does not reflect our lives as individuals. And I think this is something that very, very clear it's here that actually the point here is that it made a difference for Daniel to stop praying and showing his reliance on God for 30 days. The question I dare ask is, will it make a difference if I stopped praying for 30 days? Will it make a difference if Cairns stopped praying for 30 days? Would it make a difference 
if churches in the city, I mean, I remember we got challenged by Silas Crowley about one um, one day, uh, one church uh, movement. Would it make a difference if the churches in Bristol stopped praying for 30 days? I ask that question because actually this is not something that the devil is challenging and opposing us. So it means that we're not doing a good job with that. Because if we were doing a good job with that, then we would have a lot of opposition, especially when it comes to showing our reliance on God. And the last thing is something that comes out very clearly here, is that not only Daniel showed his um, reliance and, 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 and gave God all the attributes in his pursuit, and he got in trouble for it with, because he didn't compromise. But there was a level of faithfulness that was obvious. And it was obvious because he was saved from the lion's den. But also it was obvious from all the, his fellow leaders. And, and, and the king, if, if you look at verse 25 of chapter uh, 20, sorry, verse 25 of chapter 6, there is a statement there. That after this has happened, that King Darius makes. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. What a statement! The God of Daniel. And I, I'd love, I'd love for that statement to be true for me as an individual. I'd love for that statement to be true and to be really out there for, for us as a church. That it's, it's not the Cairns people that people look at, at our outreach. It's not that the Cairns activities people look up and make statements about. Although all those statements are great, but it's the God of Cairns Road, the God of Maki, the God of Ruth, the God of each and every one of you, that, 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 that somehow our lives, I, I think we sang that um, earlier on, I made it, you know, bear the cross as you wait for the crown, tell the world the treasure you have found. And, and this, this courage is not something that is, is, is one-off. But the, the courage that we find to tell the world is something that we built upon. Because we have seen that God has been very faithful. I mean, we, we take pride in being the oldest Baptist church. And God knows what he has done through the centuries. Through the community of faith here at Cairns Road, which was... King Street and Pete Hay, what have you. But, but, but it's, it's great that we, we celebrate that. But I'd love for us to, 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 to have that name that the God of Cairns Road Baptist Church is at work. And, and I'm sure that that's, 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 that's what we long for here as well. And as we go into the week, um, 
Perhaps some of us have got some tough decisions to make. Follow God or follow the whatever system you have, you're dealing with. Pursue your discipleship with Jesus or pursue another dream. And constantly we're made aware of the choices that we have. And my prayer is that this week, through the power of his spirit, we will come to that place, like Daniel, to show our reliance on God, because he has proven himself to us faithful. To show that actually, although compromising is convenient, we want to honor God. And to show that even this small faithfulness that is required of me today is not a compensation, but is what God wants for me. And to say, Lord, we bow before you and worship you in royal robes we don't deserve. Let's pray. Thank you that the Holy Spirit is our helper, Father God, and you have given us the Holy Spirit not only as a fulfillment of what Jesus said, but because we need him. And as we go into the week, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit is going to be is going to be our helper. It's going to be our sustainer our encourager, the one that points us to rely our strengths, our energies, our capabilities, our shortfallings in Jesus Christ. So would you help us, Lord, to find courage of your faithfulness of the past, of your unchanging ways, Lord, of your goodness and your love in our lives that will enable us today and in the coming days to be found faithful and good servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, would you help us this week to live out our lives worthy of the name that you have given us as children of God. In Jesus' name, amen.